And here in John chapter 1 tonight, verse 29, the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water, and John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him, and I knew him not. But he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending, remaining on him, the same as he which baptized with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bare record that this is the Son of God again. And the next day after John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith them, What seek ye? And he said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? He saith unto him, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt, and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. As John makes this statement of absolute reverence, of a man who is with that, of, after me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. He's talking about Jesus as the creator of the world. The term that John uses for a lamb here is so significant that it differs. It's different than all, most of all other mentions of a lamb. It's a lamb that's only used four times in the New Testament. It refers to a lamb of less than a year's age. Absolutely suitable as a sacrifice for sin. This lamb is unblemished, perfect. And he said, this young lamb takes away the sin of the world. Jesus. It is the picture of a sacrifice. Of an innocent lamb is what he's mentioning in this lamb Here is Jesus, innocent, perfect man, 30 years of age. He's coming to make a payment for all the evil I will ever do and all that you'll ever do. And John the Baptist is a spokesperson. The 13 words uttered here to change the course of history. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. My friend, what a statement. A statement revealing the humanity, of, of, of revealing the wickedness of humanity, the vileness of humanity, but the remedy for the disease of sin. There must be an atonement. There must be an innocent life sacrificed for my guilty life and yours. God would not leave the remedy to you and I. He made the means of escape. God will not spend eternity with any defiling influence. In Roman, Revelation chapter 21, verse 27, And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. That Lamb, Jesus, the Lamb, the Lamb's book of life, where my name is written and yours is, if you know Jesus as your Savior, that 
God says, there's nothing that will be defiling in my kingdom, in my heaven. There's no sin allowed. And it's this lamb in my place and yours. You see, we can look at ourselves, we can look at the mess of the world. But that lamb This lamb, the beholding lamb, he wipes it clean. In Revelation chapter 22, verses 1 through 3, and he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the lamb. And then verse 3, and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. You see, when I come to God as a sinner, it is not just some trivial, quick prayer. It is an understanding that I am a vile sinner and I need the forgiveness of the only one that can forgive me, and that is this lamb. This lamb is not a get out of jail free, say this quick prayer and you'll be saved. My friend, you must understand the mercy of God upon the wickedness of your life. When you accept Jesus as your Savior. You have the privilege of a rekindled, of a, of a relationship with the Almighty Creator God because of the Lamb that was slain. And John has the privilege to be the newsboy, if you would. Read all about it. Behold the Lamb, my Lamb and your Lamb. And tonight I wish that we would have a renewed vision of the horror of sin in our lives, but the love of this Savior. And Christ did all the work for your freedom, so now do all the work to show Him your appreciation for His kindness. Satan sought to kill. I want you to look with me at Revelation er, chapter 12. And this is where I was going to preach tonight, but the Lord directed otherwise. But Revelation chapter 12. I want to tell you here that through the course of history, Satan from Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, which is the proto-evangelium, all that word means is that is the first announcement of God saying, Satan, your head's going to get crushed. Revelation chapter 12, verse 1, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. This is talking about Israel here. And I'll talk more about that at another time. And she being with child, cried, travailing in birth, and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. And behold, a great red, red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered, for to deliver her child. Jesus came out of Israel, out of Bethlehem, to devour her child Jesus as soon as it was born. In verse 5, And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. I want to say, this lamb, my friend, he came one time in, in, in humility, and he came in in, in just a very lowly manner. But this lamb, when he's coming back, 
Oh my, friend, oh my. Let me give you an illustration here on this idea of the deliverance. The richest black man in America stunned a group of graduating students at the weekend by promising to pay off all their student debt. He said, my family's going to create a grant to eliminate your student loans, announced Robert Smith, to scenes of jubilation at Morehouse College in Atlanta, Georgia. Mr. Smith's gift to the all-male, historically black college is estimated to be worth around $10 million. Now, this is quite aged. And this is 2019, excuse me. Some estimate range the gift upwards of $40 million or $52 million Canadian at the time. There were 396 graduates in the class, tuition, room, and board, and other costs run about $48,000 per year, according to the president of the college. I don't have to live off peanut butter and jelly sandwich, Aaron Mitchum, who was age 22, a finance student, said. Students react with joy on hearing Robert Smith's announcement that he's paying off their debt. He has drawn up a spreadsheet to calculate how long it would take him to pay back his $200,000 in student loans, 25 years, at half his monthly salary per his calculations. Mitchum estimated. And he wept. He said, I can delete that spreadsheet. I was shocked. My heart dropped. We all cried. In the moment, it was like a burden had been taken off. Mr. Smith, born to a middle-class family in Denver, Colorado, made his $5 billion fortune from his private equity firm, Vista Equity. The 56-year-old told the students that he was confident they would make good use of his gift. Now I know my class will make sure they pay this forward, he told them. I want my class to take, to look at these alumni, these beautiful Morehouse brothers, and let's make sure every class has the same opportunity going forward because we are enough to take care of our own community. We are enough to ensure that we all have the opportunities of the American dream. And now they're going for something very temporal. And imagine having some $200,000 in student debt. I know what it's like to have big school bills. And to have someone come and say, I'm paying it all off, would be amazing. But imagine you have a debt so large that it's going to take you eternity to pay it off. When John, by the power of God, makes this statement, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, he says, listen, your debt for eternity is eliminated. And the principle tonight is love the gift of God and behold Him with awe and gratefulness. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come before You and Lord, I'm amazed at the debt I owed and the debt I've been forgiven. That each of us, Lord, we've, we have a debt Lord, we're all criminals before you. And Father, we're deserving of a place that you call hell. And Lord, you loved us so much that you knew the mess we were in and knew we could never pay that debt off, so you came to pay that debt. And Father, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for the gift. Father, I pray for each and every one of us that this gift would be lived out day by day in appreciation of what we've been given. I love you. I need your help tonight, Father. Speak through me, and may you be glorified. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray.
Amen. Think about this. You know, there's those who are listening, they're watching John baptize there in the river, and they're repenting of their sins, and they're placing their allegiance on the Messiah who's coming, and while you're doing this, and John the Baptist is conducting his meetings and preachings, and all of a sudden, he sees this lamb. He sees Jesus coming. And, John, and Jesus says, I want you to baptize me. In, in Matthew chapter 3, then cometh, uh, verse 13, then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan and John to be baptized. And but John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee. And comest thou to me? And Jesus answering, said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him, which means he allowed Jesus, uh, John, <laughs> John allowed himself to baptize Jesus. And John's like, what in the world? This is the Lamb. This is the Creator right in front of me. Jesus is the Creator. And you'll look throughout the Scriptures. John chapter 1 is very clear on that. Colossians deals with it. All over the Bible, it talks about Jesus. And we find something else here. And then in Luke chapter 3, the Holy Ghost descendeth in a bodily shape like a dove upon Him. I mean, the Spirit, here the Spirit of God comes down upon Christ. When the Spirit comes down here, notice there's no tongue speaking. I just want to take a quick, but there's no tongue speaking here. But it is God saying, this is my Son. On the side here, and if you note this, the tongues were just assigned to Israel. I'm not going down that trail tonight, but just note this in your mind. And right after this, it is the start of Jesus' entrance into the ministry. And after 40 days, Jesus returns to John, and John states in John 1.31, And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore, I might come baptizing with water. Jesus, who was John's cousin, how could he not know him? I mean, think about this. They're cousins. And I knew him not. But this child would grow up out in the desert and prepared as a great prophet. I'm talking about John the Baptist. To go before the face of the Lord, to prepare his ways. And he was in the desert till the day of his showing to Israel. And, and after 40 days, Jesus returns to his time in the wilderness. And he brings, and being greatly tempted by the devil, so much so that the angels came and ministered and strengthened Jesus after the wilderness temptation. And he, he fasted for 40 days. I think you and I would be pretty hungry after 40 days without eating. I mean, he's weak. But the, here's something that's exciting. Look with me about this lamb. Revelation 12, 11. This is the passage of Scripture we'll be getting into here shortly. And I'm kind of a little precursor to this. Revelation 12, 11. You see, the lamb is not just for salvation. The Lamb is not just so I can know that I'm on my way to heaven and I've got a relationship with God. 
In Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, and they overcame him, Satan, that him there is Satan, by the blood of the Lamb. By the word of their testament, they love not their lives unto death. If you want to be victorious in your Christian life, it's the blood of the Lamb. Woohoo! Now that's exciting. It's the Lamb. He's my sir, he's in my place, and he's in yours. This is a special title for our Lord and Savior. He is called the Lamb explicitly only twice in the Old Testament, only twice in the Gospels, and only once in the book of Acts and once in the Epistles. He is called the Lamb, however, 28 times in the book of Revelation. Why was he not called the Lion of Judah? I mean, when you think about Jesus... And you think about him coming back to earth. Why is, why is it so, so limited to talk about him as a lion? You're thinking ferocious and fierce and, and strong and mighty and the king of the jungle. Why a lamb? Bah. Right? Why just a lamb? I mean, he could have been some strong carnivorous animal. You know, what high school team calls ourselves the Lambs? The Thompson Lambs. They don't do that. They're Spartans, right? Or something like that. If I'm correct, if I'm wrong, correct me. But there's something mighty and strong and fierce, and Jesus is the Lamb. Huh? And John uses a word or a lamb of a year's old or younger, a baby sheep. <laughs> you mean this baby animal is responsible for the vanishing of all my sins. That word take away, which taketh away, is to remove the guilt and punishment of sin by a total reparation. What does that mean? A judge might say, I want you to do X amount of hours of community service. God says, I want you to spend eternity, well, not God, but the penalty for sin is death for eternity from him. And if I, I need to pay that for eternity. And so he who is eternal paid eternally as the eternal one for my path. He paid it one time on that cross. But as the eternal one, he pays for all that I owe. He's the only one that can do it. In Acts chapter 8, verse 32, look at the character of this lamb. And many different faith traditions of other faiths, they're going to talk about mighty men. And even in Christianity, we talk about mighty men. But the mightiest of men is the seemingly weakest of creatures. In Acts chapter 8, verse 32, the place of the scripture which he read was this, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so he opened not his mouth. Now this is Philip talking the Ethiopian eunuch. But the character of a lamb was a sheep to the slaughter, a lamb dumb before his shearers. 
Jesus was on trial, he didn't open his mouth. He didn't say, he didn't try to justify himself. He didn't try to correct them. He he, he said he opened not his mouth. When Jesus was on trial, he's not like, you're a bunch of liars and that's not true. He didn't say that. You'll find in the account, he kept his mouth shut. You see, God requires a perfect, God requires perfection for relationship. In 1 Peter 1, verse 18, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Corruptible things. What does religion try to get you to do? You might be good, pay some money to a church, talk with the clergy, have your sins forgiven by some person as they say your sins are forgiven. We go through a lot of means that have no sacrifice. Something corruptible. I can, I can do a baptism or I can do enough good works or I can do this or I can do some uh, pilgrimage to a particular location. But these are all things that can perish. God says, I don't want any of that. Because anything that can perish can't redeem. Because it's not eternal. You need something eternal to redeem for eternity. A lamb without blemish. Why all the blood? Is sin really that horrible that it would demand a bloody death. You see, sin brings guilt and shame and death. Romans 3.23, the Bible tells us, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us are sinners. In Romans 3.10, as is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. We all bear a guilt and shame for how I live my life. For the action I've done that are wrong, I bear guilt and shame. Man, I wish I would have made some wiser decisions when I was younger. I think we could all say that at some point in time of something in our younger years, I wish I would have. The Bible tells us, for the wages of sin is death. There's a penalty. And Adam and Eve would eat that fruit of that tree, forbidden tree, and they were ashamed. Your conscience feels shame and guilt. It could also be in the depression. It could be uh, of just this constant thought, I wish I could have. I wish I was better. I wish I could make right decisions. All of these things that we bear of shame in our lives. Because we live in a world of sin and we give in to sin. And then we feel the consequences of sin, of the reproach and a conscience that is saying, hey, you're guilty. And I feel guilty all the time. That idea, that thought that I feel guilty for the life I've lived. So how do I get out of that? 
How do I get to the place where I'm no longer trying to be good enough, trying to work hard enough, trying to do something to make something inside of me, that hole that's inside of me. I mean, there's a hole inside. I'm not talking about me personally, but I'm saying for so many, there's a hole inside and they're saying, I don't know why. And they'll go to this thing and then this thing and they'll try some religion and that doesn't work. That doesn't feel better. And then they'll go to this and this and this. And then they might try drugs and alcohol. They might try women. They might try all sorts of things, but it never satisfies that empty place inside. The Bible tells us in Romans 3.20, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. We're all condemned. For by the laws and knowledge of sin, every one of us are guilty. And there's consequences. And God provided that means of escape, the means of restoration. Why was it so significant through Israel's history that Satan tried to destroy the messianic lineage? Messianic is a word meaning Messiah. Messiah is, he, you know, really the promised one that's coming, the Lamb. This is like a person behind the bars of prison thinking that if he's good, that he can just mysteriously get out, get out of prison. There has to be someone on the outside with a key to open the door to let you out. You're totally incapable of getting out. I understand there's prison breaks, Okay. I'm not talking about that. But by and large, when you're in prison, you can't get out. And it's in Genesis 4.4, we see the first sacrifice, we see the sacrifice with Adam and Eve as they wear the clothing, and then in Genesis 4.4, Abel offers the firstlings of his flock. I want to ask you, so the question is, does God always have to be the one that does the pardoning? Is a sacrifice always necessary? And to that I say yes, because God is always the only means of escape. But the escape or the rescue from my own guilty conscience involves an innocent life that's never breached any law, never broken a law that's innocent and perfect. You said no one existed like that. Yes, they did. Jesus Christ. He's the only one. He who is eternal, he who is perfect, he who is innocent, his innocent life for me. When John makes that statement, behold the Lamb of God, my friend, I wish I was in heaven. See the angels (laughs) shout for joy. Imagine the heart of Jesus all throughout his ministry, even as he was on his way to the Garden of Gethsemane, he's saying, I'm going to die. As he comes on the scene, the time is ticking. He said, I know I'm going to that cross. I'm finally going to be the ultimate and only sacrifice that humanity will ever need. We sang tonight, as my daughter chose, Jesus loves me. The world will tell you you're worthless, you're a piece of trash, maybe you've messed up. The world tells you a lot of things. But it is Jesus on that cross 
as Abraham, when his son, he put his son on the offering as an offer, as God called Abraham, who had a son. I mean, his son carried the wood up there. Abraham's son Isaac was totally capable of refusing his dad to sacrifice him. He got on the altar, and then Abraham tells his son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. And they saw a ram caught in a thicket. I mean, God stopped his hand from slaying his son. God provided a lamb. There in Mount Moriah. You know, here is God provided a lamb. As John spoke, it is likely that the bleeding of sheep could be heard and the people could see the flocks. I'm reading a quote here for you, John Phillips. People could hear and see flocks being driven toward Jerusalem in preparation for the Passover. John drew attention away from them to Jesus, the true Passover lamb whose sacrifice would procure, would gain in them eternal redemption for all humankind and make obsolete the annual Passover of the Jews. The whole Passover goes back to Exodus when Israel was commanded to kill a lamb, take its blood, put it on the sides of the door and on the top of the door and and clean all the leaven out of their house and eat the lamb and, and then get prepared to get out of Egypt. A deliverance. Egypt in the Bible is a picture of the world. We're no longer slaves to the world. I'm no longer a slave to the vices and addictions and strengths of this world as a Christian. I am if I yield myself to it, but I don't have to be. Because there in Egypt, you either slay the lamb or God would kill the firstborn son of the Egyptians. God did deliverance from a horrible, impossible situation. In Leviticus 17.11, the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I've given it to you upon the altar and make an atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. And this very lamb would be the world's sacrifice for spiritual deliverance. In 1 Corinthians 5, 7, Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, so you may be a new lump, as ye are in leaven, for even Christ our Passover sacrificed for us. The lamb marked a beginning, a new beginning for Israel. If you think about it, the requirements of the Passover, the calendar was changed. Tisri, October, was the first month of the year. The Passover event changed the first month to the month of Abib or Nisan, which is April. The birth of Christ changed the calendar of the world from Anno Mundi, the year of the world, to Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. The lamb was chosen on the tenth day of the month so that it might be tested and inspected for four days for defects and flaws. Christ was examined or tested for four days in Jerusalem before he was crucified. Jesus' ministry was just under four years. He is singled out in the four Gospels records without a blemish. The lamb was slain on the 14th of the month around 3 p.m. When Jesus was, Matthew 27, you'll find that there. The slaying of the Passover lamb was a corporate act. In like fashion, we in the world place Christ upon the cross. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The lamb was to be roasted whole with no breaking of any bones. Jesus never had a bone broken. They pierced his side, but they didn't break a bone. The lamb had to belong to the person offering it. Christ belonged to God the Father. 
for God so loved the world. The lamb had to be without blemish or spot. Peter taught of Christ's sinlessness as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Christ's enemies spoke of his perfection. John 19.4, look with me here. John 19.4, sorry. John 19.4. My friend, when John the Baptist would say, Behold the Lamb of God, it was changing history. It was changing all of history. And it also demonstrated the ultimate act of love. That I and you and the world, who is enemies of God, at odds with God, You said, I'm not really an enemy of God. Yes, we are. We're all born enemies of God. I'm selfish from birth, and so are you. My daughter, we have to teach her. You need to share. Right? Most kids. Now, did you ever have to teach your kid to be selfish? Did anyone ever have to teach your kid to be selfish? Any kid. I don't care if it's a niece a nephew, a grandchild, your own child, did you ever have to teach your child to be selfish? No. You're like, Pastor, you're crazy. i got to teach the kid to be good. In Acts 8.32, or John, excuse me, did I say John? What did I say? John 19.4? Pilate, therefore, went forth again and said, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that ye may know that I find no fault in him. Jesus, this lamb, was innocent, inspected by the very government, and found faultless, without blemish. This lamb was inspected. God provided my escape and yours. In Acts 8, 32, the place of the scripture which he read was this, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter and like a lamb dumb before a shearer, so he opened not his mouth. Now my friend, this evening, as we think about the Lamb of God, and I'm almost done, the forgiveness is only available if you're willing to accept the Lamb of God for who he really is. He's my Lamb. Is he yours? Is he your lamb in your place? The eternal God who died on that cross, perfect, innocent, unblemished, did he, is he your lamb? The Bible tells us, Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The whole world is the farthest ripple of the sacrifice of the lamb. In Genesis 4, the sacrifice of the lamb was for an individual. The the man was Abel. In Exodus 12, the sacrifice of the lamb was for a household, the Passover lamb. In Leviticus 16, the sacrifice of the lamb was for an entire nation there at the tabernacle. In John 1, 29, the sacrifice of the greatest lamb, the lamb of God, was for the entire world. In conclusion, look with me at Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Romans 8.1. I lost my place back there for a moment. I apologize.
Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, 1. I'll give you a second to get there. Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Condemnation. If you're in court and the judge makes a verdict against you, that's condemning you. I have nothing to be condemned about because I'm in Christ Jesus. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, the Lamb, hath made me free from the law of sin and death. The law of all the guiltiness of my conscience, all it does is bring about death in my life. But this Lamb, the Lamb of God, my record is pure. Pure. And my friend, you don't need to weigh, you don't need to have the weight of sin in your life. Tonight you can be forgiven by God. And all you need to do is receive the gift. You can't pay for it. Because if you're going to pay for it, you'll have to pay for it for eternity. And I don't think any of us want to pay for it for eternity. This lamb, he's my lamb. Is he yours? Have you ever accepted Jesus Christ as your lamb? For more than a century on the roof of the chapel of Worden an Deveux in Nordholm, Germany, stood a curious stone carving of a lamb, a reminder of an interesting event. During the mid-1800s, a workman was on the chapel's roof making repairs. He was sitting in a basket which was fastened by a rope. On that fateful day, the rope gave way and he fell more than 20 feet to the ground. The ground was covered with gravel and sharp rock and the workman should have been killed. But to everyone's amazement, he survived the fall and was uninjured. What happened was a lamb had come next to the church building to feed upon some of the tender shoots of grass. When the workman fell, the lamb was crushed, cushioning the man's fall. The lamb died, but the workman's life was spared. Out of gratitude, the workman carved a stone image of the lamb and had it placed on the roof at the exact spot where the man fell. It was a reminder that a lamb had died to save his life. Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God who takes away all of my sins by His death on the cross. God gives this gift freely to all who will receive Him. My friend, you can't be good enough. A lot of people say, well, I'll I'll reform my life. I need to get rid of some bad things before I, I come to God. You're trying to pay Him for it and He won't receive it. The only way you can pay Him for it is for eternity. I don't think you want that payment How about I just take the gift? And by faith, I ask Jesus, please forgive me, a wicked sinner. God, I know I deserve hell. But I know that lamb paid for me on that cross. He was innocent. And he made the eternal God, paid for all my eternal, my sins for eternity. He paid for them on that one-time act on that cross, his death, burial, and resurrection. My friend, if you'll just ask him to forgive you and be your Savior, acknowledging you deserve God's punishment. Right where you're sitting, you can become a child of God.
and Christian. I don't know why this got me. As I think about this, it's very emotional tonight. Behold the Lamb of God. He's my gift. He's your gift. I want to spend my life doing all I can to express my appreciation for how wonderful He is. Not because religion tells me to, but because my heart leads me to want to express that love of appreciation for what He did. Sin is murderous. But Christ is wholly magnificent. Stop treating sin as a light thing. It costs His very own Son. Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Friend, tonight, if you don't know Christ, don't treat this Lamb as just a good story of love. Don't treat Jesus as just some relic to have on your necklace on a cross. He's not a relic. He is alive. And you must make Him your Lamb or you'll be the one to pay for your wrong actions for eternity. So to all I say, behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. That's the very Lamb that Satan taught to kill from a child, an infant. But that Lamb didn't die. So tonight, behold the Lamb of God. Christian, this ought to stir our hearts to be so thankful for the gift we've been given. And if you've never received this gift, I would love to show you from the Bible how you can know for sure. We're going to have a time of invitation with Miss, Mrs. Pat can come forward. My friend, this is the most important decision you'll ever make. You have a debt to God to pay, and you can't pay it. And I, try, and I don't want you to pay that debt. God doesn't want you to pay that debt. Jesus doesn't want you to pay that debt. So will you receive the Lamb as your Lamb this evening? As the music plays, with heads bowed and eyes closed, this is a time of invitation. You said, what is an invitation? An invitation is a period of time where you just pray and you talk to God. However, His Spirit was speaking to you tonight, if you'd like to come forward and, and I can show you from this Bible. If you want to get up out of your seat, I can show you from the Bible how you can know for sure Jesus is your Savior. If you've never accepted Him, my friend, you're refusing the greatest offer of love that has ever been known. If you're a lady, my life would love to meet with you and show you from the Bible how you can know for sure. If you're a gentleman, I can meet with you. This is our lamb. That's the lamb that Satan wanted to kill as a child. It's not to kill throughout Israel's history. But you can't defeat God's plan of rescue. And I trust tonight you'll, as a Christian, we will just be thankful and do all I can to just be appreciative of the gift we've been given. As I, was praying, as I was preaching tonight, maybe you'd say, Pastor, God was working on my heart in an area 
and I'd like you to pray for me. If that is the situation of your heart, would you just be willing to lift up your hand? No looking around, eyes closed. Just quickly slip up your hand and bring it back down. I'll be happy to pray for you. I will not mention your name, but I'd be happy to pray for you. Anyone like that this evening? Or maybe you're saying, Pastor, I don't know where I'm going to spend eternity. I don't know if I die where I'm going to go, but I'd like to know, would you pray for me? I'd be happy to pray for you. Anyone like that? Slip up your hand real quick. My friend, this is a wonderful gift. Just a moment longer as the music comes to a close. May you not reject the Lamb. In Christian, may we embrace the Lamb be so thankful for the wonderful gift that paid my eternal debt. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I love you. And Lord, how it stirs my heart with joy to think about the fact that I can't pay my debt. Lord, I'm a sinner. and I know all of us are. Lord, you know our, our, our situation that we could never pay for it. And so you came down. You suffered and died in my place, in the place of every person here that's professed Christ. So, Lord, we could be forgiven. Father, I say thank you. And should there be anyone tonight that is not saved, I pray tonight they call out to Christ to be gloriously saved. Jesus, I love you. Thank you for being our Savior. In your precious name I pray. Amen.